this morning because someday you will fight life's final battle. And that is the battle between life and death here. And when you pass from this life into the next, you will be the victor if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will shed, your, shed yourself of the flesh and your spirit will be liberated and your soul will be with God forever and ever. As uh, Wayne said, Brother Edwards went to be with his Lord on Friday morning, and uh, you know we thank the Lord for that. My wife and I went and saw him a couple weeks ago, and we just thought to ourselves, you know, aging process is not a uh, a gentle one to some. Uh, though Brother Edwards was in a good facility, uh, Grace Manor, and being taken care of, though uh, it's 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 tough as we get older, isn't it? And uh, the family that he knew most was here at Westside Baptist Church. And there were many here that would go and see him or take care of him here. And thank the Lord for that. And uh, so we, uh, we thank the Lord for the journeys that all of us have on this life. Uh, the songs this morning, uh, the choir started off, it's going to be a great day. And it's going to be a great day. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to heaven. And then my hope is in the Lord. And then the, the Smith family sang, Press On. And that, by the way, is uh, our, our theme this morning is found in uh, Philippians chapter 3, if you'll take your Bibles and turn there. Uh, in other words, we have a, a journey and we need to continue to press on. And uh, then, oh, that will be glory and then it's supper time. This morning I would like to talk about evaluations of our lives for 2014 and then setting goals for 2015. This is a time where we examine our lives uh, uh, and sometimes we set goals. I know a lot of people get real excited in January and they make resolutions. Uh, it shouldn't be just in January that we set our resolutions, but we should always be looking for how God would want to improve our lives. But I do take this time in my own life to evaluate what's been taking place, what kind of progress I've made, and, and uh, where does God want me to go for next year. We start back in June, July, August about praying about what God would have for our church. And then we have our staff um, retreat in October and our deacons meetings and directors meetings in October and set our budget and, and direction for our de different departments. And then in November, we have a vision banquet, which many of you were at. And now we're coming to the end of this year, and we are uh, pressing on to next year. And that theme will, uh, has already been revealed, uh, continuing on in our uh, under construction. I was reading this week, uh, actually yesterday, one more minute. 
you knew that you had only one more minute to live, what would you do in that last minute? Ever think about it? Uh, the writer here to Acts and Facts, which is uh, a wonderful magazine that's put out monthly, what matters most in life? Where are you going? How do you spend your time? What matters for eternity? She goes on and she says, what would you do if you had just one more minute? Years ago, I was forced to face the realization that life is short. I had just finished my second year in college. My two brothers and I still lived at home with our single mother. We got the news that she had cancer. My sweet mother died shortly afterwards. Just a few weeks after my 20th birthday, I experienced the hard reality that death robs us of the luxury of just one more minute. If you had one more moment to share with someone, how would you use that blip of time? As we get older, time is passing faster, isn't it? It's hard to believe that Christmas is already over. The Ducks will have won the national championship. It'll be Christmas again. Now, I am not a prophet, so don't stone me if that doesn't take place, all right? <laughs> but we look forward to certain things in our life. And what I'd like us to do to this morning is take an evaluation. What happened last year? Um, this is your final exam for 2015. You've heard of possibly the one-minute manager where a person will come and he'll give you one minute of something good that you've done, uh, one minute something that uh, you need to improve in your life, and then one minute of how to do that. Uh, that's quite a, uh, an interesting concept. I'm sure most of our kids would love to have that as a part of the parental uh, responsibilities rather than an hour lecture. But we can look back at our lives and we can consider uh, what has happened? Um, how do you know that you've grown? Uh, you look back at this year, what do you see? What are, what are the markers of your progress? If I were to ask you, and I am going to right now, is what, what was some measurable successes of last year in your life? What would you say it would be? Someone like to share? Something that you saw take place. Bob? The realization that I could do better. All right, amen. Gary? Amen. Uh, situation at work and going along, understanding to trust in the Lord. A lot of times our markers are, are in our responses. You can, you can discover where your heart is in your responses. The Bible says out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so how do I respond in things? And there were, there were things that I have been, I, I put down, I, I try to set goals every year, some of them. I, I uh, 
I take over to the following year because I haven't made as much progress as I would like to. Some goals I've been working on for about seven years now. Some goals I just write down and look at them and and never attain them, like uh, losing weight. You all know what I'm talking about there? All right. We we have this. I I have actually established a parameter of my life, a high end and a low end. And as long as I stay someplace in there, I'm fine. All right. So some goals we might not attain or we might keep on working on and some goals we need to continue uh, to, to put before us or to make new ones, our responses. Uh, one of my goals was to be kinder. How many noticed how much kinder I was this year? All right, thank you for one person out there that noticed that, all right? And uh, uh, I ha- by the way, I have been working on that goal for three years now, all right? So if only three of you have gotten that, that's not very much progress, is it? But we, we, we can ask uh, people to, to, to be honest with us and how we're doing in certain areas. I, uh, I am a very competitive person, and oftentimes I take my own evaluations in my life, and, and I have decided I want to be very honest with myself. You need to be honest with yourself and where you are. Can you see these goals? In what areas have you grown? Have you reached your goals? Um, in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul is telling the Thessalonians, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because of your faith. What? What does it do? It's growing. That was one of my biggest areas this year is that God would help me to grow in my faith. And truly, there have been challenges and things like that. And, and I thank the Lord instead of worry and anxiety most of the time. Now, able, like you said, Gary, to turn some of these things over to the Lord and trust in Him that He has a plan that we might not see through some of the difficulties of our lives. So they grew in their faith exceedingly, he says here. That's amazing. And also they grew in their charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth. So here this church was growing in their their faith. They were growing in their love for each other. We can ask ourselves, what can we do uh, individually and then corporately as a uh, church in Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to be honest. We need to examine our lives. We need to ask God to search us. And that word search is not a casual look. But it is an intense look. It's an idea of an examination. When you go to the doctor, if you want that doctor to, to give you your years physical, you want him to do a good job, right? You don't want uh, some disease uh, percolating in you and then to be discovered when it's too late. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. We need to be serious about examining our lives. Let me say this. One of the horrible things of being critical of other people is oftentimes it takes your focus off of you and puts it on other people. I want to encourage you. You know, it's so easy to talk about the way things are going in this world and all that, but I want to look at myself in the areas that God wants to improve in my life. And if I don't become broken over what's going on in my life, I will never change. 
And I will keep recycling over and over again. I use this as for counseling, and that is uh, those, uh, those five R's, remember that, is you need to recognize what's going on in your life. You need to be honest with it. Then you need to repent of it. And a godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of. The trouble is most people don't have a godly sorrow. And they don't realize how they have offended a holy God in heaven. And let me just say this. A lot of our motivation in our life is self-centered rather than God-oriented. If all I'm trying to do is improve myself so I can have a better life, that is a fickle way to live. I want to improve my life so I can bring glory to my Lord. And when I do something wrong, it offends a holy God in heaven who sent His Son to die on the cross for my sins. And it ought to break my heart. It ought not to be just that I got caught or that I have problems or I have difficulties or I missed out on something. There's a God in heaven who loves me so much that He sent His Son. We need to change the strength of our motivation. So search me, O God, change me. If you do not recognize, you will not change. And when we recognize that there are problems in our lives, how do we go after them? Do we look for solutions? So oftentimes we will say, yes, I'm this way. But then we don't come up with godly, biblical solutions. The decision that you make today affects your future. Right or wrong? If you decide not to do anything about it, you will continue on in the direction that you're going. I tell you, I, uh, I, I have been impressed by that and the things that, the decisions that I've made. And there have been capstone decisions in my life that, that I continue to try to make in my life to continue the improvement of my life for God's glory. And that's where we all, all ought, to, ought to be. This morning, I want to provoke you. You know what that word provoke means? I want to take the word of God and I want it to be a goad as it sticks us. And I want us to do something. I want us to take the message home and uh, do something with it. Uh, We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And so as we go into evaluation, there are things that come into our lives that helps us to evaluate Now, I decided for two weeks not to get on the scale. Uh, Probably not my feet, all right? Uh, Some of you notice the pretty toes. (laughs) But I usually notice the thing that's right in the middle. And when I got on the scale after all of Christmas festivities, I realized that uh, I do need some help, Brother Bob. I really do. It's been a brutal year at the end here. So we have these, these measurable goals that we try to establish in our lives. And we, we have something that helps us to be accountable. Uh, scale or people or the bottom line. And turn in, as you already have, to uh, Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to read what motivated Paul. And uh, in, in there, the bridges of his life. And then we're going to try to apply that to us, uh, the accountability, what values most to him. Are we making progress in the right directions? Are we really going against 
Uh, are we really uh, having the ladder on the right wall as we climb the corporate uh, life of success? In verse 7, uh, he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost. He's using accounting terms here. He says, The bottom line, those things that I considered important to me, I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Paul's highest motivation, and it should be our highest motivation, is not the successes of our weight or our physical well-being or our financial well-being. It should be to know more about Jesus Christ, his Lord, our Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but what? Dung. That I may win Christ. He wants the affections of Christ. He wants to know more about Christ. His highest motivation is Jesus Christ. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. By the way, your own righteousness will not lead you to heaven which is of the law or works or uh, a set of standards of do's and don'ts, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. A man is saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He treasured his salvation. This was a high motivation. He says, the love of God constrains me. In verse 10, he says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, God, uh, Paul was so much in love with the Lord that he wanted the fellowship of the suffering of his Savior. And by the way, when Paul is writing this, he is in prison in the last few years of his life. Being made conformable unto his death. This was Paul's motivation is to be like Christ, to know more about him, to love him and to suffer with him. Not the conveniences and the comforts of of this world or the successes of this world. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He uses a word, and I've used this illustration before. He says, I'm running after the Lord. I want to grab hold of Him because He has grabbed hold of me. This is a strong desire that Paul has in his race, in his journey, in his goals. I want to apprehend. He says, I haven't, I haven't already attained. If you were to look back at this year and do an evaluation and you evaluate your growth, would you say it was a good year? Tough year? Would you say you've made progress? Uh, Would you say you did the best that you could? That's a good question to ask ourselves, isn't it? Could I have done better? How many say, you know, I could. I believe I could have done better. Let me see. Make sure every hand's raised. All right. You know, some people don't recognize what's happened in their lives. We all can do better. 
He says, brethren, verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are a work in progress. That's not to excuse my failures. And I need to recognize where I am. I need to see what are the signs that's showing that I'm making progress. Can you imagine if you're driving down the highway and you see mile marker 135? And then you next time you see mile marker 135? And then you see mile marker 135? We need to pay attention to the signs and the things that are going on in our lives. Amen to that? My wife and I learned a lesson this week to pay attention to the signs. I don't know if you can read it back there, but it says, road closed. We took the grandkids to Shore Acres on Monday, and uh, we had a wonderful time. They have a beautiful display of lights down there, 300,000 plus lights there. And we just got a grand time and wonderful and we are heading home on Tuesday. And as we drove out of Coos Bay, we stayed the night in Coos Bay, we came uh, and we're driving down 101. And just as we got outside of Coos Bay, uh, it, there was a sign there. It was a four foot by six foot sign that was electronically lit. And it said, road closed 18 miles ahead. Now, Janie saw the sign. She was driving, thank the Lord. And, uh, and I saw the sign. And he says, oh, that's an interesting sign. And we kept on going. And sure enough, 18 miles ahead. Guess what? Now, why did we keep on going? We thought maybe the sign might have been outdated. Or really, time we got there, the road would be open. And we really never even took a second thought into it. And we discovered painfully, when we got there, there was a landslide on 101. And they said, you know, it's going to take us a few hours to clean this up. Your best bet would to go back to... Coos Bay, down to Coquille, and across 43 to Roseburg. As we turn around, we're asking ourselves, honey, it's all her fault, of course, she was driving. Why, why didn't we pay attention? Then I started thinking, you know what? A lot of times we don't pay attention to what's going on in our lives. You know, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. We need to get into the Word of God and discover its riches. And what God says in His Word is true. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. May God help us to read the signs and be honest with ourselves and to look at what's going on. If you keep going the same direction, the destiny will not change. Focus determines direction. Paul says, I press on. 
I love the, it was interesting, that was the title of the Smith song this morning, Pressing On. I was looking at Abraham and Lot this morning. I've started my reading through the Bible again. And as I was reading there in Abraham and Lot, they were faced with the decision of the, the success of their life. And Abraham and Lot decided to part companies. And you'll know that Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he set his direction in that direction of his life there in Genesis chapter 13. And we discover what happened to him. He lost everything that he had. May God help us to set our focus in the direction and, and we grow in, the, in our lives in the way that God would have us to grow. Now, to know the, that we're growing, I think there are stages of growth. I've written this, and I want to just cover this real quickly. There are stages of our growth that we go through as born-again believers. First of all, you must be saved and to make the growth spiritually in your life. But I think that uh, as we grow in, in our lives spiritually, we, we maybe start off thinking about this God in heaven who if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to get bonked over my head. Retribution. Then I come to the place where it says, you know what? Maybe God will start rewarding me for my good progress in my life and I'm going to have good things happening to me. And sometimes they do. But not always. Then you come in your growth of your life and you go into relationship and it's not about whether God's going to hit you over the head. It's not about whether you have the good rewards that come in your life. But it's about the love of God that's compelling you to live and to grow and develop your life for Him. Are you there yet? I would hope so. You know, sometimes as we raise our children, there are stages that they go through. You know, as a parent, you are a disciplinarian in their lives and you help them to understand there are consequences for wrong and there's rewards for right actions. But ultimately, life is about relationships, isn't it? And you grow in such love for the Lord. That's how you tell how you're growing is in your love for the Lord. That's the, the commandment of all commandments is that you love Him. How is your love growing? And then you come to the place where you love Him so much that you don't want to let Him down. And you want to reflect Him in your life. You want other people to see Christ in your life. These are stages of growth. And there should be these desires of growth as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. The word desire there is a strong, it's a greatly desiring. There should be a, a hunger and a thirst for Jesus Christ and for righteousness and to do what's right. By the way, that is one of the evidences of being born again. The average church grower is just nonchalant about his life and he goes nowhere spiritually. Possibly because he's never been born again. And there might be some folks sitting here this morning that have never been born again. And that's why there's no progress in your life. I'm going to tell you something. The healthy child is one that's going to grow. Isn't that right? Can you imagine if you saw a 32-year-old still saying goo goo gaga? healthiness is, is, is being born again and growing in our lives in this greatly desire. This is actually a good lust, lusting after God's Word. This same word is used in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verse 2, which we've been talking about. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Paul is telling there the earnest desire to be in heaven. That same word that's used in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 
More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You know what he's talking about there? God's Word. That we have a desire for God's Word. Lot won the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, and it took him in a direction that led to his demise. I want to ask ourselves, what, what, is, what is driving us to go forward? Is it a passion and a love for God's word? More to be desired than fine gold. Second Peter 3.18, our theme verse for our study in the life of Christ, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I want to encourage you in this. You know, we've got Bible pathways again for next year. Some of you might be reading through the Bible. Some of you might decide to have daily devotions. Don't let it come to the place where I have to do this. It needs to be, I want to do this. And if you need some direction and help with your your daily devotions, please let us know that. We'll be glad to show you various ways of how you can get more riches out of God's Word. I'm going to tell you something. It is a wonderful book to study. Amen? We need to love it. Well, here, Paul sets up his plan. Let me just read. This is from David Jeremiah, by the way, and our folks that are in developing your tools, you heard some of this on the message there. He says in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are uh, before. David Jeremiah says, Don't be content to compete. Don't be content to to compete. There needs to be a hunger and there needs to be a thirst and there needs to be desire in your soul. It's got to go beyond the surface uh, of our lives. This summer in our camp, uh, our, our theme for our summer camp is beneath the surface. There's got to be something inside of me that is compelling me to, to move forward and, and, to, and to, to, to march on for God's glory. Paul says, I don't count myself to have apprehended I'm not satisfied with where I am. What you see here is a holy dissatisfaction with where he is spiritually in his life. And here is a man who is in prison for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has a holy dissatisfaction for where he is. Are we just content to be who we are? Or are we marching to a different beat? I'm going to tell you, the beat of our heart ought to be a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it compels us. 2014 is over. 2015 is before us. Time is running out. Y'all know time is running out? The Lord could come back any time. He could come back before 2015. Never be content to compete. And then he says, don't get caught in the chaos of life. He says, this One thing I do. Don't get caught in the chaos of life. Stay focused. What is the priority of my life? What am I going to try to accomplish? What is my my mission statement of my life? I wrote down this year. I decided I read a book on, on what is my life? What characterizes my life? What do I want my life to be characterized by? It actually became one of my goals this year. 
And uh, it, it, as I pray about this every, every day, uh, and, and I bring this up before the Lord, I am reminded of it. And that's, by the way, one way that I remember my goals is I keep them before me. Oftentimes they become a part of my prayers. I wrote down a mission statement. I, Greg Kaminsky, am committed to, give, to live godly for God's glory and the good of others. I'll tell you what, there's been many times where that mission statement comes back and it, it speaks to me because I don't always have the good of others in my heart. I want to encourage you. Don't get caught up in the chaos of life, but stay focused on the Lord. And then refuse to be paralyzed by the past. He says, forgetting those things are behind. Those things are behind. Paul, Paul, you have so many treasures behind. But also there were some tragedies behind. Forgetting those things. I'm not going to be paralyzed. I'm not going to let it become an anchor to my future. No longer am I going to be influenced by those things that are the past. But I'm pressing on. I'm staying focused until I finish the race that is set before me. You know, it's hard to run when you keep looking back, isn't it? And there are some people here that keep looking back at their failures or their struggles or their family situation, and they let that affect their future. All right, so this is evaluations. How am I doing? And then we want to look at, lastly, evaluate your goals. Evaluate your goals. And this is what we'd like to talk about as we come to the end of the year to establish goals. Where am I? Where do I want, where does God want me to go? We need to be praying about this. Uh, You can write them down. Uh, I've written down various aspects of goals in my life. uh, uh, And uh, if, if you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So write down your goals. Uh, Up here it says goals. The tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching our goals. The tragedy of life is not having goals to reach for. Have you set goals for 2015? Then here the mistakes in setting goals. Sometimes your goals can be too big. Like if I were to say, I want to weigh what I did when I got married. That might be uh, too big of a goal. I think I've surpassed that by several pounds, all right? Not being specific in your goals. Too many goals and not writing down your goals. All right. So ponder these things as you think about setting goals for for next year. Then goal setting. They need to be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. There are some goals that I've set in my finances uh, that are time-relevant, that uh, we're coming close to retirement time and what's going to be there in retirement. You can set financial goals. You can set your future goals. There are concepts of which... You should be a part of your life. The trouble is most people do not set goals. Uh, How about coming to church, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. We have a plan. Are we just going to do nothing? A preacher got up and he preached a message and he called it a quitting message. And he told folks, we need, to start, we need to stop doing certain things. And he preached that. And he gave an invitation for people to come up and to get rid of things in their lives. And one lady came forward and the preacher asked her, what, what are you doing? 
And she said, I'm doing nothing and I'm going to quit that also. <laughs> Spiritual plans. Do you have a plan for your devotions? Do you have a time for your devotions? Have a time for our attendance? Do we have a, do we have a prayer time? You know, sometimes we look at these things as what is about me or, well, if I miss my prayer time, uh, my life, my day might be uh, disrupted by some difficulties. Do you know what my motivation in my prayer is? I pray for this congregation because I believe I need to bring this congregation before the Lord every day. Our missionaries, you know, I, I used to think, well, you know, does it really make that much difference in praying for our missionaries? And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to just stop praying for our missionaries. And God broke my heart. The reason why we pray for our missionaries is to lift them up. And prayer makes a difference. And it's not about, well, whether I'm going to have a good day or not. It's not about me and my prayers. It's about God's glory and others' good. That's my mission statement. You come to that in your life. Oh my, may God help us with that. How about souls? Do you have a goal to reach people for Jesus Christ? You know, I was thinking about this, Aaron. You know, we lead people to Jesus Christ. Then it's up to God and them. Right? You ponder that. We lead people to Jesus. It's up to God and up to them. Where are we leading people? May God help us in establishing our goals. A goal without a plan is just a dream. If you had one more minute to live, what would you do with the rest of that time? People do not plan. People kind of just keep on going. We get caught up in the chaos of life. A fail to a failure. A fa, uh, what is the the, uh, the adage? Uh, failing to plan is a plan to fail. Phil Stutchell said this last Sunday. He says people that do nothing uh, usually accomplish it, but people that try to uh, go forward, they might make their mistakes, but they're making progress in their lives. I want to encourage you to be spirit led. Uh, shoot towards that which God has for us. You know, sin is missing the mark. God has marks for us, and God has measurable uh, goals that we can establish, and God has a plan. And I want 2015 to count, and I want to be spirit-led in 2015, and I want this year to count. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you'll help our congregation as we uh, stop now and we look at our lives and we evaluate where have we been most times lord we just keep on going in the same way and we something that has not been working has has uh, has continued not to work and yet we do not uh, uh, find the successes that your word can give to us nor the biblical plans that are found in the scriptures and father so sadly we do not accomplish what you'd have for us in our lives here, Paul, at the end of his life, he says, I don't count that myself I've apprehended. But I forget those things which are behind, and I reach for to those things which are before. Lord, 2014 is coming to an end. There are some regrets of 2014 in my own life. 
there are failures. But Lord, those failures can be used to help us to grow our lives. Maybe we've gone out there and we've depended on ourselves, or we've been motivated by ourselves rather than the motivation of Christ in our lives is properly established. Lord, we need to just now take some time. And each one of us, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder, will you take some time between now and January 1st? Not saying that this is the only time of the year that we should be doing this. Maybe some of you have already done that. But would you take some time to evaluate what's happened in this year of your life? What's going to happen next year as you ask God to lead you and guide you? Can you do that? I want to encourage you to that. We just get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. And we don't ask God to search us. Sometimes we're not honest. Sometimes the evaluation, we don't get on the scales because we don't know, we don't want to know what it says. But I want to encourage you. March on for the Lord. Not for your glory, but for His glory. Let's make 2015 count for Him. Let's change the motivation of our lives. Let's grow in that aspect of our life. It's not about what I'm going to get or what I'm going to lose. It's about showing God to other people. We have been reminded that eternity is coming. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Has God showed you some things to correct, some things to improve on? Right now, is God revealing some things that you should be doing in 2015? Will you take the challenge? I hope the Word of God has goaded you and say, you know what, I need to make sure this, I'm not going to waste another year. I want to make sure this year counts. Measurable goals, specific goals, write them down. Pray about them every day. Pray and ask God to lead you. Father, we want to be spirit-led. I'm thankful that over the course of time that you have worked on my heart in so many ways, in so many areas. Only to discover so many more areas that are still out there. But if we don't take the steps forward, we'll never discover what's in the next arena of our lives. And no matter whether we're young or old, it is my prayer that we'll never stop marching forward in our improvements for your glory. And understanding that it is your word that will bring us direction. It is your spirit that will give us insight. And it is your grace that gives us divine enablement. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, if we can set our motivation about your glory rather than just self-improvement. I'm afraid that so many of our self-improvement books, Lord, have missed the boat. People want to get better jobs or have better houses. Our motivation needs to be your glory and others' good. There, I believe, you will help us and strengthen us to accomplish what you want us to do. 
And I pray that for this congregation, we will march forward for your glory. Help our church to be about your glory and others' good. Help us to be that work in progress and help us to be mindful of how you might uh, stimulate our hearts to recognize what is that's going on around us. Instead of being so self-consumed, may we be consumed with what you have for us and others' good. Thank you, Father, that you can bring us in the stages of our growth just like a little child. And your patience and mercy has put up with so many idiosyncrasies of our lives. And Father, I am thankful that we continue to grow. And Paul here says, I'm pressing on. There's an urgency. Time's running out. I pray that, Lord, we'll make the right decisions. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember one year, God said as my goal is that I would be more compassionate towards others. This was probably about eight years ago. And so I began to pray, Karen, Lord, help me to be more compassionate towards other people. I'm the, I'm the Nike kind of guy. You know what Nike is? Just do it. Get over it. Well, that year, two months into the year, God herniated the disc in my neck, and I was out of the pulpit for eight weeks in uh, quite a bit of pain. And I remember people coming up to me and says, I bet you God's showing you a lot of stuff, isn't he? I said, no, I'm not learning nothing. I'm just in pain. But about midway through it, God says, you know, you began to pray that God would help you to have compassion towards others. And this is one way you can learn how to have compassion towards those that are sick by you going through it yourself. We can grow through the tragedies of our lives as well. Amen to that? That's what Paul says. I'm willing to suffer. Well, I don't want to suffer. Well, I want to be what God wants me to be. How about you? We're going to sing in our closing song, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. If you have, sing it. If you haven't, I encourage you to make that decision. Let's stand together. If you don't know the Lord, today would be a good day to find Him. Don't end the year without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's sing it together. I have decided. Maybe take this time and devour your head and take the time to make that decision.
God break our hearts in the direction that He would have us to go. Amen? And let's make 2015 count. Be back tonight. If there are decisions or concerns that you'd like to visit with, please do so before you leave. You are dismissed. Mm-hmm.